0: Amen. Mark chapter 11, verse 23. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. And one of the things that Jesus ties together here. Is he ties together doubt in the heart. And he ties that together with. Believe you receive. And one of the problems when there's doubt. There's difficulty believing you've received. Because the doubt becomes a hindrance. Now. There's not one human being on the face of the earth. There's no Christian that has walked with the Lord no matter how many years they have that does not have times where you deal with doubt. To say otherwise or to believe otherwise would be a hindrance to you. So it's pretty important To understand, what do we do with this doubt? How do we handle this doubt? Well, one good thing to start with would be to know what that is. See, doubt is to waver or fluctuate in an opinion or a decision. To hesitate. To be in uncertainty. Respecting the truth. To be undetermined. How many of you ever had, what do I do? I don't know what to do. That's doubt. To be apprehensive. To question. To hold questionable. Hesitate to believe. Not confident. Now, most born-again believers that I know, because of the grace that God has given us, have a desire to do the will of God. Not the opposite. Not the ploy of the enemy to get us off. See, he, he wants, he wants uh, people to think that all the body of Christ wants to do, the Christians, is figure out a way to sin. When the opposite is the case, they're trying to figure out how to get out of it. You see? And when we know that Jesus dealt with it, his crucifixion, His burial, His resurrection, not only forgave us the sin, but defeated it out of our life. He did it. So for the person that's trying to get better on their own, they will struggle. Because if you could get better on your own, you would have never needed Jesus. So sometimes they receive Jesus, and then after they receive Jesus, they get around people, Christians, bless their heart, and they begin to tell them all the things they got to do to be better. So they want to do the will of God, so they go out and try real hard to do it and find out it's the way it was before. Now, doubt will come in, and doubt will contaminate faith and will hinder faith from working. It'll cause us, when we doubt in our heart, to be unsettled. For instance, is it true or not true that by Jesus' stripes we were healed? Well, it's amazing how much the body of Christ tends to vacillate about that. See, I've had people talk to me and say, it isn't the will of God for everyone to be healed. As a matter of fact, God put this on me. So my question to them is, in the midst of their doubt and hesitation is, then why are you taking medicine? Why are you going to the doctor? Why are you trying to get well? That's not the will of God. (laughs) See? The the ridiculousness of it on the face of it, but yet the enemy will blind people in, in, in an area like that. See? Well, you understand. God really wants us to be poor. He doesn't want us to have anything. Well, why are you going to work? Why are you trying to make money? After all, you should be out on the street, homeless, and be in the perfect will of God. Especially a night like this, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. Can you you see that? But doubt is a really nasty character. But we all deal with it. Now, to have a doubt is not a sin. To entertain it, to give it voice, to allow it to take hold, can lead you there. You got that? Okay. So therefore, it's imperative that whenever there is doubt we know how to deal with it. Amen? Now you'll get a group of people, Christians, and, oh I don't doubt, I don't Okay. Well go have fun you got an enemy out there that's constantly trying to furnish to us in the natural and through words that are spoken and TV and news programs, everything, to cause us to doubt. Now, I assure you, when you come to the place where you will not have to deal with doubt, you'll be in heaven. Better yet, you'll have the incorruptible flesh, and this flesh is gone. <laughs> Amen? Yeah. To where it hushes up. Now, turn over to John chapter 1. We're going to look at three incidents, instance, uh, instances of doubt, and what happened. John chapter 1, verse 43. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip, and he said to him, Follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the Law and the Prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Now, these men, in the prior chapter, Jesus had called Andrew and Peter, these men were disciples of John the Baptist. They had been listening to him. They were disciples of John the Baptist. So the first bunch that Jesus called, he called from being a disciple of John the Baptist to being his disciple. So they had some background. They heard Now, John never claimed to be the Messiah. He never claimed. He said exactly what he was there for, to pave the way. So John the Baptist was preparing their hearts for when Jesus would come say, follow me. It wasn't like Philip never heard anything, and all of a sudden Jesus walked up and said, follow me. He went, okay. He recognized this was he who John was talking about. For six months. Amen. So Philip says. There's no, he, when he said follow me. He did it. Philip had no doubt. He knew. This is the Messiah. This is the Christ. And when Jesus said follow me. They dropped everything. They were doing. And they followed him. Their business. Whatever. No hesitation. Now, Nathaniel, he says, we found a Messiah. Can anyone? Now, Nathaniel had a basis for his question. He knew the scriptures. They knew the Old Testament scriptures, these men. They weren't totally ignorant. They'd been raised in the Jewish religion, and they read that Torah every Sabbath. They read that scripture every Sabbath, and therefore they had a knowledge. So Nathaniel drew his doubt from his knowledge of the scripture because he knew the Messiah didn't come from Nazareth according to the scripture. So he's going, how could it be him? Now, Philip says, Well, you come to Jesus. Come and see. Come and see. So here comes Nathaniel with all his doubt armed with Scripture. But he's going to go see. He's going to go to Jesus, and he's going to find out, right? How many of you have ever been armed with Scripture? And what you're seeing doesn't seem to line up with what you're armed with. Hmm? And in and of itself, it creates a doubt that you're having to deal with. Now, does the Word of God tell us that Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith? How many believe that? All right? So first thing, we are not the author and finisher of our faith. You'll hear teaching and it's all on us and when you you just have to you know you gotta get your faith together and blah 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 blah. Okay? Now don't mistake in what I just said. Faith is the deal. By grace, through faith, we are saved. The question becomes, okay, where does that faith come from? And how do we stand strong in the faith? Nothing doubting. So Nathaniel, let's read on here. he says, "Jesus saw Nathaniel. Coming toward him and said, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no, King James Version says guile, new King James Version says deceit. Now, how many of you know that the Pharisees and a lot of the house of Israel when Jesus was on earth at that time were deceitful? especially the Pharisee and the Sadducee. They deliberately tried to question Jesus. They deliberately tried to uh, ruin his credibility. They constantly tried to discredit him. Now, if you read carefully, Jesus does get them to a point where they didn't try it anymore. They, <laughs> In whom there is no guile. Now, it's important to understand that if you're going to deal with your doubt, the doubt that you may be experiencing, which is causing hesitancy, which is causing a, not being able to make a firm decision, especially when it comes to not only from the scripture, but how God is dealing with us, where we're supposed to be, what job that God has for you, where you should live, what churches should be in. He places each one in the as a member in as he pleases. That's if you want the perfect will of God for your life and plan of God to be totally fulfilled, leaving nothing on the table. So We are led of the Spirit, are we not? Those who are led of the Spirit are the sons and daughters of God. You're a son or daughter of God. You're entitled to be led by the Spirit. Now, the Spirit will always lead you into the truth of the Word, but as well lead you into the specific plan that God has for you. Amen? What ministry He's given you. Amen. Now, the body of Christ and all of us sitting here at some point in time, we have to deal with doubt. It's the deal, you know, it's there. And it causes us to be hesitant in making the firm decision or. Having done all to stand, stand therefore against the wiles of the devil, against the scheme of the devil, against whatever. No, give up. Doubt will cause you to give up. Quit. Most of the ones in the body of Christ who've been separated from the body of Christ which we're called to get them free, the captives, amen. Bring them back. Okay, most are separated because they couldn't deal with their doubt, they didn't know what to do. Doubt was what was the seed that caused that. So, Jesus said, No guile in him, no deceit, no. Hypocrisy, no acting one way and you're really this way. Not trying to measure up to what everybody else expects. He, what he, what you saw was what you got, Nathaniel. And got, and Jesus perceived that. So when when Dan, Nathaniel came with his doubt, and that's what he was coming with, he didn't come with a guile in him that says, "I'm going to prove to you." Philip, you're wrong. Doubt will do that. Doubt will get in your face in the form of people who are trying to prove that you're wrong, to prove this, prove that, get their point of view across, that they want to get their way with you. I'm sure you haven't. (laughs) See? And the enemy will use family members, unsaved ones. They'll even come thinking they're doing the right thing by you. You're crazy. I've been told I'm crazy multitudes of time by family members. It's amazing how many of those are thinking I'm not so crazy today that they did 20 years ago think I was crazy. Because God will always have the last word. Now, what's important to see here is that Jesus recognized there was no guile within within, uh, Nathanael. So what did Jesus do? He says, verse 48, Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered and said, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Now, it doesn't tell us what he was doing under the fig tree. But he was doing something enough that it impressed Nathanael to the point where, verse 49, Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. So he went from teacher to the Son of God, like that.
1: I often wondered there was was Jesus seeing him in the natural or in the spirit when he saw him.
0: Saw him in the spirit. Right. He did not visibly see him, and that also, of course, impressed Nathaniel. That I didn't see you walking by. See. Now, you are the king of Israel. So immediately, in Jesus' dealing with him, now watch this. Watch this. Where did Nathanael bring his doubt to Jesus? Where do you bring your doubt every single time to Jesus? Do you see that? Do you understand that? Now, what will Jesus do when you bring your doubt to him? He will take it away. He will, he will speak or do whatever is required to take away that doubt because he knows that doubt is hindering your faith. And he is the what? Author. And now what is he doing? Finishing. Amen? Most Christians, unfortunately, and one of our jobs is to enlighten them of how to deal with this, Okay, they don't bring their doubt to Jesus. They bring it to everybody else. And I want you to know, Brothers and sisters in the Lord are not equipped to deal with your doubt. Only Jesus is. Amen? This is the reason why many believers, if their prayer life is not consistent. What is prayer life? Talking to God. Regularly. Eventually, doubt works its way in there, and they don't have a way to get, they don't know how to get rid of it, to deal with it. And eventually, the enemy waters that seed, and he gets full-fledged fear going on, and full-fledged unbelief going on, which then leads to blatant disobedience to what you know. Then he comes in behind that, if you want to know the whole picture, He puts the guilt and condemnation on you because you're sitting there knowing the will of God and knowing you're not carrying it out. But you want to. How did it start? First, there was guile in me because I didn't want to admit my doubt. I was faking it with the brothers and the sisters, with the people around. I kept talking the scripture. The scripture. After all, that's what you're supposed to do, amen? Ah, yeah, that's what was supposed to do. See, this is the reason why we had thousands and hundreds of thousands of Christians back when faith was being taught and all that, that they got discouraged and quit and said, I don't want to have faith stuff, because they never understood what faith really is and how it really works and why God does it the way that he does it. But we can praise God today because we'll know. That doesn't have to happen. Instead of going into destruction by completely throwing it out, they allowed, those folks allowed doubt to come in and do its work on them because they didn't know one thing. Watch this. Jesus will take care of your doubt every single time you bring it to him. Oh, I, I can't. After all, my faith has to be perfect. I got news for you. Nobody has perfect faith except God. Now, how does that get a foothold? When you don't take it to Jesus, no guile. You understand? Does everybody understand Jacob and that? No guile. No duplicity. No double-mindedness, okay? No deceitfulness. The Pharisees were deceitful. You read everywhere where Jesus dealt with the Pharisees and what he said to them, you'll see guile. You'll see deceitfulness. All right? So without guile, without hypocrisy, Lord, I'm struggling with this doubt. I mean, I can't tell you. We could be here till tomorrow morning, me telling you the number of times until the Lord said, Lord, this doubt. Every time. Okay, so here Nathaniel brings it, right? Now, We see the doubt came because he had the Scripture and knowledge of the Scripture, and what he was looking at and hearing didn't seem to line up. How, Jesus, could you be the Christ, the Messiah, and come from Nazareth? Scripture doesn't say it. And the fact is, he did come from Bethlehem. He didn't come. So he went with his own knowledge, and he went with what he heard. But he had this other knowledge. Now, Jesus says to him In verse 50, Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. Most assuredly I say to you, hereafter, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon. The Son of Man. Every single time when Jesus deals with your doubt, he will do something, something will happen, he'll confirm something, he will do something, and then he will give you more. More promise, more vision, more. Amen? Now turn over to uh, John 20. Is this helping anybody? John 20, verse 24. Now, Thomas, what's he famous for? Doubting. Poor guy. He probably had as good faith as anybody, but he just got caught in this one incident. Let's look at this. Now, Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples, therefore, said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see his hands, the print of his nails, and put my finger into the print of his nail, of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now, that's a tall order. I mean, you're talking about some serious doubt here. And he's now dictating the terms of which I will believe. Now, be cautious. Because you'll hear teaching, and if you're not discerning what you're hearing, they'll make you believe Jesus will have nothing to do with you if you do this. Huh? Yeah. So, here's an interesting thing. Jesus, well, verse 26. And after eight days, his disciples again uh, were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst of them. How about that for openers? You're there, and then there's Jesus standing there. Didn't hear the door open, and didn't hear it close. How about this, too, verse 27? Uh, He says, peace to you, in 27th verse. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here. Let me tell you something. Would you sit there and go, man, he wasn't here, and he heard every word? He didn't ask, Jesus didn't ask anybody what he said. He didn't go, hey, guys, was he talking about me? (laughs) He heard every word eight days before what Thomas said. Brothers and sisters, he hears every word we speak. you can jot that down in your notebook, put a couple stars behind it. Hallelujah. Reach your finger here and look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believe. Believe. Jesus have anything to do with him? Jesus deal with it? Took care of it. Matter of fact, history tells us that Thomas actually went to India. Not a fun place then. Took some faith for him to go there, let alone here to go there. Okay? Okay. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God, done it, took care of it. Done deal. You're him. You're alive. I'm there. Now Jesus makes a statement. Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Everybody put your finger here like this. I am blessed because I have not seen and I believe. That would be a good verse for all of us to go over every day. Like, write that down. Put it up in a poster. I am blessed. Because I believe and I haven't seen. Anyone here seen Jesus in his resurrected body? Anybody? I, I haven't. We might get a vision or something. But this was Jesus standing in the midst of them where he could do this. Yeah, there it is. Amen? Did Jesus have anything to do with him? What did Thomas do? Went to Jesus, and Jesus took care of the problem. And then Jesus said to him, no need for you not to believe anymore. Amen? Now, why was it that Thomas had the doubt? We know over with Nathaniel, he had doubt because he had some scripture. Why did Thomas have doubt? Because Thomas was going by what he had not seen. Mm -hmm. Jesus. He was going by what he senses. If you look, he saw him on the cross. He saw him buried. He also heard the rumors that were said, which to this day are still there, or the disciples stole his body and all of that. Scripture says that the Jews put that out, and it's still today even said. He was hearing that. So what was he going by? He was going by what he was seeing, and that's what he was determined, and he believed. That's why Jesus said, you're blessed, you're blessed, you believe, and have not seen. The doubt will cause us to take into account the physical, natural realm and try to cause us to say, that's the way it is. In other words, if God doesn't do something the way we think he ought to do it, it will cause doubt. That's why when we turn something over to the Lord, you let him take care of it you don't try to figure out how he should do this. These guys could not fathom that Jesus would be king of Israel without an army and destroying the Roman Empire and sitting up there as king, that the cross was him becoming king and lord. Couldn't. Till after. Amen. Because they were going... By what, where they all ran off. It got so much with Peter, he denied Jesus. I don't even know the guy. Why? Because it didn't go down the way they thought. This is a big thing. We have to understand while we're praying, believing prayer, and we thank you, Lord, that we're not interjecting how he should do it. I hear that all the time in prayer. Please, don't do that. Don't tell God how he can get glory. Don't tell God how he can get the person saved. Don't tell God how to do it. It's his business. Amen? I hear it. You hear it. You've heard it. Well, Lord, bring so-and-so, and and they'll have a meeting. And -and so-and-so come up and receive Jesus. I've had them come to me with a plan to get their family saved. Oh, Pastor John, we've come to dinner and I'm going to invite my children. I said, look, I like a good dinner like anybody. But that isn't going to (laughs) work. Amen. You see that? So what do we go by? What Jesus says to you. What he said it's no lie, no falsehood. Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not hearing Jesus that good. Well, that's one of the things we're trying to take care of tonight. You can hear him better, and you have to say, I don't hear him that good. He has given you ears to hear. Amen? Why do people have problems in hearing what the Spirit is saying? Doubt. Doubt not taken care of. Allowing Jesus to take care of it. You got room for one more? Matthew 14. Let's go to the 31st verse. No, let's go up higher. We know, everyone, we know this. We know this story, don't we? Verse 29, we'll start there. So he said, come, when Peter had come down out of the boat. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid it began to sink. He cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Well, let me ask you a question. Did Jesus correct him first and then pull him out? Amen? (laughs) See, immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him. How many of you know that most of the time when you're on water, you don't begin to sink? You You uh, You go. And see, that's what the doubt will do. If you get to the, if the doubt's there and you recognize it and you're not going to Jesus with that doubt to deal with that you will begin to sink gradually you get sicker or you get financial issue or strife in a relationship or whatever that is and it comes gradually When Jesus is dealing and you go to him with the doubt and he takes care of that doubt, the people around get the drippings of the blessing. Amen? Now, what we're going to do is what you're all going to do, we'll do tonight as we begin praying, you're going to take your doubt to the Lord. When I was preparing, the Lord instructed me, and he said, you tell everybody, bring their doubt to me tonight. Well, I don't have any doubt, really. Well, I'm telling you how great Jesus is in the Holy Spirit. Ask him. He'll tell you. Amen. I can give you a couple hints. You're hesitating. About making a decision. Based on what the Lord told you. Mm -hmm. That's just one little area. Not determined. Double minded. And I could get in another ten scriptures. But I believe all of you. You've heard. Okay. The main point. Do not be afraid to recognize when you're dealing with a doubt and do not be afraid to bring it to Jesus knowing he is, first of all, merciful. Second of all, he'll do something about it. You're looking to make a decision to do something. How much confirmation do you need to be sure he'll give you all you need? You understand that? He'll give you all you need. Huh? I asked the Lord that one time. I said, can I I tell you how I want you to? I got that passage of Scripture. But remember from the beginning, what must you not have? Guile. And Lord, years ago, don't don't come to me if you don't really have the doubt. In other words, here's what happened to me. I'll tell my story at one time. All right, I won't tell all the stories, but this one time. I've been praying the Lord spoke to me to do something, and it was a significant decision to make. And I kept going back to the Lord and said, please confirm it for me. He would confirm it. And I went back again, said, "Please confirm it for me," and he confirmed it again. Then I went back a third time, and I said, "Lord," da 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 da, and he spoke to me and he said, "Get on with it. Don't you know I know when you know?" I said, "Okay." See, you're getting over. That was crouching over to Guile. Tempting God, putting him to the test, rather than an earnestness of heart. And he was exactly right. I knew it. He has a way that he's able to do that. (laughs) You follow what I'm saying? The difference there. Now, most of us, unfortunately... The, the guile is there because there's the unwillingness to be honest. Even he knows everything, we're hiding. Think a minute. How can you hide anything from God of which everything is open to him? Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verse uh, chapter 4, verse 12, of which all the intense of your heart are open to him that's the reason when I say to you you don't know you ask this Holy Spirit to tell you if you have doubt there's a lot of times he will tell you there's something there you don't know is there but yet it's still hindering how much do we need Jesus I can't even put it in to a sentence how much Uh, it's just off the charts. How about this? For everything. I'm not getting in my car and driving anywhere without Jesus being there and Jesus taking care of it and the angels are there. Okay? Nowhere. Amen? Amen? Are you ready to uh, get rid of the doubts? Father, in the name of Jesus right now, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Lord, for bringing to each one of us any doubt. If there's any doubt in our heart regarding anything that we've either prayed or heard, I thank you, Lord, to, for putting your finger on it. And I thank you for the grace that you've given us that there is no guile in us. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. Now I'm going to lead you in this prayer, and when I get to the point of your doubt, then you tell him between you and him whatever it is you need to do. Amen? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that your mercy endures forever. And Lord, we can't live without your mercy on our life. Your mercies are new every morning. And I thank you, Lord, for that. Just as the blind man cried, have mercy. Father, have mercy on our blindness. And I thank you right now that each and every time we bring to you any doubt or any unbelief, that we may struggle with. You take care of it. You handle it. Because Lord. We know. You are the author. And the finisher. Of our faith. Now we also know Lord. That you pray for our faith. And I thank you. As I give to you you.
1: right now, now.
0: just give it to Him. I thank you, Lord, right now now. that you are moving moving. on my behalf, behalf. that you are taking care of. And you have taken care of doubt out of my life. Now, Father, I further pray that you alert me by your Spirit when doubt even comes near me. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord for
1: that.
0: Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, I was impressed. Word of warning. Okay. Dealing with the doubt. is something that we do when we to bring it to him now you never determine the will of god from your circumstances okay he speaks to us he's inside us he causes us to know right. so you do not look at your circumstance and try to Determine this is the will of God. This is what I should do. if you do not have a peace, a witness, a knowing. Now, remember something. Doubt doesn't try to come in until after you've heard what God said. You see, didn't he hear? Did not Nathaniel hear something first and then? Okay? Didn't Peter act on the word of God? Come, start walking on it, and then? Okay? Because the doubt is designed to hinder the will of God to be done in your life. Mm -hmm. That you don't receive all. See, once you pray the prayer the fight begins. Okay? This is not fleeces. That's guile. You're not asking God to do something to prove to you anything. You're asking him to do something because there is that sincerity of heart. Lord, you know where I'm at and right now I'm dealing with this you follow remember the devil approached Jesus and said you need to prove you're the son of God do this he said you do not tempt the Lord throw yourself off and whatever people get caught up in that don't get caught up in that's presumption you know I'm going to throw myself off this building and God will save me (laughs) don't do it How do you deal with the circumstances? You're not led by them. Okay? The only thing that circumstances do is they line up with what you already know God has said. You start to see them work. Amen? Amen?